Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey in Toratory. I'm your host, Dan Riley. There's a story, better yet a legend, about a bird who lives in the vicinity of the sun. A world wherein perfection is reached, what we would call paradise. This large, blue-eyed, majestic creature with gold, red, and purple colorings roams paradise, depending on the legend's version, between 500 and 1,460 years. When its life is approaching the end, it flies west, out of paradise, and enters our mortal world, where it will be born once again. Landing in Arabia, it gathers spices and herbs for its nest. There in its nest, facing east as the sun rises, it lets loose a song so melodious that it outsings the lark and the nightingale. The whole world stills to listen, and God in his heaven smiles. Then, in an instant, the sun drops a spark, and the nest and the bird are engulfed in flames, the nest now a funeral pyre. Three days later, out of the pile of ashes, a new phoenix rises. The young phoenix wings its way to the altar of the sun in Heliopolis, where it deposits the remaining ashes of its old self, then flies east, out of the mortal world, to roam paradise once again. Conventional wisdom traces this legend back 2,500 years to ancient Greece, while some claim it goes back 5,000 years to the Egyptians and a bird called Bennu, whose characteristics were the same as that of the phoenix. The sleeping prophet Edgar Cayce claims the legend began even earlier than that in the lost continent of Atlantis. Cultures across the globe and across time have a mythology like that of the phoenix. The Slavics have the firebird. Native American tribes speak of the Thunderbird, the Hindus have Garuda, and in the Jewish folklore there is the Milsham. In other cultures, the phoenix served more as a symbol than a legend. In ancient Chinese mythology, the spotting of the bird foretold of harmony and the rise of feminine grace. In early Christian cultures, the phoenix was an allegory to the Christ story. It was often seen on the tombstones of these early Christians, which served to symbolize that death is not the end, simply a new beginning. The image of the phoenix, whether known by that name or another, is one of the most powerful and enduring images in the human psyche. We still name cities and sports teams in its honor today. Psychologists would refer to this as an archetype. The concept introduced by Carl Jung suggests that we have an intuitive understanding of archaic and universal symbols and images that are derived from the collective unconscious, that we have inklings of meanings which we acquired from the sum total of the human experience. In other words, we have psychic instincts. Jung was not the first to advance this theory. Plato believed the human soul was imprinted with mental images upon birth, which are instinctively understood. Today, this could be analogized to preloaded software. And certainly, we are preloaded with more than one program. Jungian psychologists postulate we all fall into one of 12 different archetypes regarding our life's mission. Some examples would be the ruler, the creator, or the artist, the caregiver, and the lover. In Eastern traditions, there is a concept called Dharma. Broadly speaking, it is the belief that each of us show up here on earth with duties and missions that must be fulfilled. The concept is not exclusive to the Eastern cultures. Check any American bookstore. It's chock full of titles like Finding Your Sacred Journey, Discovering Your Soul's Purpose, Why Am I Here, What Is My Calling. Entire sections of bookstores are devoted to this genre. 
And if we're honest, we've all importuned this to ourselves at some point in life, probably multiple times, especially during those times when life is waning rather than waxing. The Dharma for some people is obvious, and the entire world can witness it. Mother Teresa, Jane Goodall, and Mahatma Gandhi are good examples. While we know some of the early struggles they overcame to arrive at their respective stations, we are not aware of all the internal battles they grappled with. But we know they had them, because we have them. Their contributions and accomplishments to the external world cannot be overstated, but nor can their accomplishments in the inner world. They had to overcome something author Stephen Pressfield calls resistance. In his book, The Art of War, he used the word resistance as an all-encompassing term that defines the barriers people encounter on the path to doing their life's work, their dharma, if you will. It includes, but not limited to, procrastination, self-doubt, drug or alcohol addiction, self-loathing, social media addiction, television addiction, pornography, excessive competition, voyeurism, or incessant gossip. Certainly, resistance to one's work is not the exclusive cause of these flaws, but Pressfield theorizes, and I agree, these tyrants or their like can be contributing factors. In any case, to win the game of life, we must overcome them. In fact, part of the game of life is to have these obstacles before us. They are key ingredients to the soul's evolution. It seems the higher the calling, the tougher or more complicated the obstacles. If one aspires to be an affiliate marketer, his obstacles tend to require less energy to overcome than she who aspires to write a symphony. Not a value judgment, just an observation. The Eastern traditions theorize we get many go-arounds here on earth. Sometimes we opt to be marketers, other times symphony composers. We need both and everything in between because we all evolve uniquely. Irrespective, however, of what we choose to do, resistance is part of the compact. In a curious way, desire and resistance are related. Both are essential and both lead to our true north. Nature does not imbue us with a desire without giving us the means to fulfill it. We are not talking here about vague longings or ephemeral fancies. We are talking about a dream of doing something or becoming something highly personal and unique to the individual. Something contemplated year in and year out, possibly decade after decade. Inherent in this dream is its own fulfillment. Years back, Belgium physicist Ia Prigogine was given a Nobel Prize for what he called dissipative structures. He contended that friction is a fundamental part of nature. Nothing grows or develops without it. Not mountains, not trees, not diamonds. The key to growth is having the capacity to be shaken up, then being reshaped by that friction. For us humans, resistance gives us the friction we need to grow into our desires. For most of the challenges that would qualify as resistance, there is not an easy nor an overnight solution. Hard and tiresome work is often required to break through. If we experience nothing but clear sailing all the way to the achievement of our goals, we probably haven't found our dharma yet. Know this, the resistance you encounter and your grand desire are inextricably linked. The loftier the goal, the tougher the resistance. A puzzle makes a good metaphor for life. When you dump over the box, sometimes many pieces are already joined together. Other times, not even two are pre-joined. 
Some of us get a head start, some of us don't. Who knows the mystery as to why? But our duty remains, the puzzle, our lives must be completed. Like a suite of software, seemingly unrelated archetypes can interplay. We can use them as intuitive roadmaps on our journey to fulfilling our life's purpose. To assist, we can invoke the phoenix who lies stretched in silent repose deep in our psyche to remind us we too can conquer our quest. And if we've already crashed and burned, we too can rise anew from the ashes. The great poet from Calcutta, India, Rabindranath Tagore, wrote, Spring has passed, summer has gone, winter is here, and the song I meant to sing remains unsung, for I spent my days stringing and unstringing my instrument. Whether you are 18 or 80, never let this be said about you. If you have a pesky dream yet unrealized, understand it's not going away. Oh, it can be camouflaged by resistance, but it's still there. What would be better still is to conquer resistance. Go on and create that breathtaking garden. Paint your painting, sing your song, or write your screenplay. And if you're one of the fortunate ones that have already triumphed, and have arrived safely on the other side. Because you are still with us, it might be time to cast your eyes seaward again as another port of call awaits. For my part, that's all there is. Our journey for today has ended. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those bowlines. We're on the move now. <laughs>